Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Thursday, December 28, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. With the high in Riverside reaching a pleasant 67.5 degrees and the low sitting at a cool 51.3 on this December 28, let's get ready to delve into the stories that are shaping our world today. First on the docket, major changes are rolling out for the U.S. Electric Vehicle Tax Credit in 2024. We'll examine the immediate rebates that consumers can expect right at the dealership, alongside the introduction of stricter eligibility requirements that buyers should be aware of before making their next eco-friendly car purchase. Also, 2023 is officially the hottest year ever recorded. We'll discuss the implications of this alarming climatic trend and the urgent actions that experts are calling for to address what many are recognizing as a full-blown climate crisis. And finally, we will dive into the enchanting science behind music. From the neurological responses our brains have to melodies, to the phenomenon of diminishing volume, and the captivating world of animals that showcase their own ability to groove, join us as we hit the right notes on these fascinating developments. Stay tuned as we bring you these stories and much more on Alex's News. Today's top story centers around a significant shakeup in the electric vehicle market here in the U.S. NPR and Fox 31 Denver have brought to light that beginning in 2024, The $7,500 tax credit for electric vehicles is set to see some substantial adjustments. To delve deeper into what this means for potential EV buyers, we're joined by Ethan, who has been following these developments closely. Certainly, Grace. Right now, if someone purchases an electric vehicle, they're eligible for a $7,500 tax credit. However, the way it's structured means they can't benefit from that credit until the following tax season. So, you'd see that impact on your taxes potentially over a year after you've made the purchase. That does seem like a long wait. How are things expected to change when these new rules roll out? The big change coming in 2024 is that this tax credit will become an on-the-spot reduction in the cost of the car at the dealership. It essentially turns into an instant rebate. Dealers will deduct the credit right at the point of sale and will later claim the amount back from the IRS. That sounds like it could really help with upfront costs. Now, you mentioned there are going to be stricter requirements. What are these new hoops that buyers have to jump through? The eligibility criteria are definitely tightening. For starters, there are now income caps. A married couple filing jointly can't make more than $300,000, heads of households are capped at $225,000, and for single filers, it's $150,000. These figures are based on adjusted gross income, where things like retirement contributions are taken into account. Also, the vehicle must be purchased for personal use and within the United States. Interesting. Do these stricter requirements mean we could see fewer models qualify for this incentive? Exactly. Fewer models may now qualify for the full $7,500 credit. To be eligible, both fully electric and plug-in hybrid vehicles need to have certain battery sizes and adhere to vehicle weight limits. They must also be assembled in North America and fall within certain price caps, under $55,000 for cars and $80,000 for SUVs and trucks. And with these new rules, it's not yet clear which models will meet the criteria in 2024. What about the components of the cars themselves? I've read that to receive the tax credit, there are also requirements related to the battery materials. That's right, the tax credit is actually split into two portions, 
each worth $3,750. One part considers the battery's size and the vehicle weight, as mentioned earlier. The other focuses on the sourcing and manufacturing of the battery materials, in an attempt to diminish reliance on foreign sources, particularly China, and to encourage the use of components coming from the US or its trade allies. And if I'm not mistaken, there's an additional benefit for Colorado residents, isn't there? Correct. Colorado is particularly generous with incentives. There's a $5,000 state tax credit, plus an additional $2,500 for EVs under $35,000. They also run a program offering $6,000 to those who trade in older, polluting gas cars for an EV. With the average transaction price for electric cars being over $53,000 according to Kelly Blue Book, these incentives could really make a difference. How does this compare to the cost of traditional gas-powered vehicles? The average cost for gas-powered vehicles is actually lower, hovering around $48,334. But despite the higher price tag, EVs offer savings in fuel costs since they don't require gasoline or oil changes. EVs can also be leased, can't they? How do the benefits of leasing compare to purchasing one? Absolutely. Leasing an EV brings its own set of advantages. You'd likely see lower monthly payments, no long-term commitment to the technology as it evolves, and easier access to tax credits. Plus, leasing offers an opportunity to regularly upgrade to the latest tech. There are downsides, though, such as mileage caps and wear and tear charges, and, of course, you wouldn't own the car outright. With all these changes on the horizon, it seems like consumers will need to navigate a more complex landscape to get the most out of these incentives. Ethan, thank you so much for this thorough analysis. My pleasure, Grace. After the break, we'll return with our second story of the morning. Don't go away. We're diving into a story that's on the forefront of everyone's minds, the heat. It seems that 2023 is shaping up to be a record breaker. Our own Chloe has been following the details, and she's here to give us the lowdown. Chloe, just how hot has it been this year? Grace, it's not just hot, it's historically hot. We're looking at a year that's essentially rewriting the record books. The New York Times recently put out a piece called, Tracking Heat Across the World, showing that this year we experienced both a scorching summer in the Northern Hemisphere and an abnormally warm winter in the South. Weather data indicates that the period from June to August was the hottest three-month stretch ever recorded. So what's behind this spike in temperatures? The primary culprit here is the continued emission of heat-trapping gases, most notably from burning fossil fuels. Greenhouse gas concentrations in our atmosphere are climbing steadily, and they're a key driver of this warming trend. But to add a bit more to it, there's also the influence of El Nino, it's a weather pattern that periodically occurs and is known to cause global temperatures to rise. And the consequences have been pretty serious, right? Absolutely. ABC News covered the various impacts throughout 2023. We're talking about long stretches of triple-digit temperatures in parts of the U.S., record high marine temperatures causing coral bleaching off the coast of Florida, and worrying levels of ice melt at the poles. Antarctica, especially, has seen a significant reduction in ice. Each of these incidents was a record-breaker in its own right. Given all these events, what are the climate scientists saying? How are they reacting to these developments? Vox had some in-depth interviews where a range of emotions were on display, from cautious optimism to outright dread. There's a sense of urgency, for sure. They're particularly concerned about changing ecosystems and the impact on communities, like the Arctic fish populations and indigenous tribes. But they are not just standing by idly, 
There's a strong call to action, especially when it comes to focusing research on regions that they foresee will suffer the most from climate change impacts. Speaking of action, isn't there a growing demand for solutions like air conditioning? How is that impacting our power grids? Absolutely. The increased need for air conditioning is putting a significant strain on our power infrastructure already. And the scientists underscored a point often overlooked methane emissions. Even though carbon dioxide gets a lot of the spotlight, methane is an extremely potent greenhouse gas, and tackling its emissions could make a big difference. So as we look to the future, given all this, what's the suggestion from experts? How dire is the need for change? Grace, the message is clear act, and act fast. If significant greenhouse gas emission reductions aren't achieved by 2030, we could be looking at these excessive heat levels becoming the new normal. By shifting away from fossil fuels and reducing emissions, we have a chance to prevent further spiraling of climate change impacts. It's a story that's as urgent as it is daunting. Chloe, thank you so much for that comprehensive update on the situation and the various factors at play in this intense global heat wave. You're welcome, Grace. It's a critical issue, and I hope our discussion sheds some light for our listeners on the importance of these climate challenges. Here are some other headlines. The Colorado Republican Party has made a bold move, reaching out to the U.S. Supreme Court in an effort to overturn a decision by the state's highest court that disqualified former President Donald Trump from the 2024 ballot. This unprecedented legal action has put the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling on hold, possibly until early 2024 or until the nation's highest court has decided on the matter. The state's Supreme Court had based its decision on Trump's alleged incitement of the January 6 insurrection, sparking intense debate and what could be a landmark decision by the U.S. Supreme Court affecting the entire country. Meanwhile, the enduring conflict between Israel and Hamas is laying bare the escalating human toll. With Israeli defense forces reporting around 3,000 of their members wounded and Hamas militants believed to have caused thousands of casualties, the strife is unearthing the true cost of war. Amid international pressure and calls for moderation, the battle has also plunged Gaza into dire humanitarian crises displacing the majority of its population and triggering critical shortages of food and medical supplies. In political strategy news, Representative Lauren Boebert has opted for what some might see as a safer political bet by switching to run in Colorado's more staunchly Republican 4th Congressional District. Facing a tight race and a robustly funded Democratic challenger in her current district, Boebert's maneuver draws attention to electoral dynamics and the high stakes of securing re-election. And controversy is ensuing after Republican presidential hopeful Nikki Haley sidestepped a question about the origins of the Civil War, notably omitting slavery from her response. This has provoked sharp reactions and reignited discussions about America's past and how it's interpreted by today's leaders. Down south in Jacksonville, Mayor Donna Deegan has set a course for change by ordering the removal of a century-old Confederate monument previously standing in Springfield Park since 1915. This action follows years of debate over such memorials and aligns with broader movements across the nation reckoning with Confederate symbols in public spaces. Finally, in a lighter vein, NPR has invited its listeners to get an auditory glimpse of its All Things Considered director's personal tastes. Each director curated a unique playlist on themes ranging from video games to their most listened to songs of the year.
These collections offer a chance to connect with the soundtrack selectors themselves and are available for enjoyment on NPR's website and potentially on your local member station. And those are some of the latest headlines we're following for you this morning. Ethan, today we're going to dive into something that many of us love and hold dearly. I'm talking about music, and in particular, the science behind it. This all comes from a special episode of the Shortwave podcast, in partnership with All Things Considered from NPR, which looks at music from several fascinating angles. What have you found to be the most striking aspect of this episode? Well, Grace, this podcast reveals just how woven into the fabric of our existence music really is. From the neurological effects to the behavioral adaptations of animals in response to music, there's so much to cover. Let's start with how music affects our brains. Research discussed in the podcast with input from musicians like Mike Gordon of Fish shows that music doesn't just use one part of our brain, but many. That's interesting, Ethan. Can you elaborate on which areas of the brain are stimulated by music and what kind of emotional responses this can trigger? Absolutely, Grace. Music has this unique power to activate parts of the brain like the amygdala, which processes emotions, and the motor cortex, which helps us move, possibly explaining why we can't help but dance to a good beat. And it's not just about feeling good, Grace. Music can evoke a wide range of emotions, from deep sadness to euphoric joy. It's a universal language that doesn't need words to convey feelings. It's truly astounding. Moving on to the second story, this research on lead singers and the decrease in their volume over the years is quite surprising. What's behind this trend? Well, the research digs into the practical and, shall we say, aesthetic choices behind the mix of music. Lead singers like Jeff Beck are turning down the volume, and it seems to be both a stylistic decision and a nod to the group dynamic. Essentially, creating a balance where the lead vocals don't overpower the instrumentals, it's reshaping the music to be more harmonious and arguably, more engaging to listen to. I can see how that might change the whole experience for the audience. Now, the final story, which admittedly is my favorite, ponders upon something truly incredible, animals reacting to music. What can you tell us about that? It's quite a delightful thought, isn't it? The research examines the possibility that animals can perceive melody and rhythm, suggesting that creatures from birds to elephants might have a sense of music. This doesn't mean they're ready to drop an album, but the idea that they can respond to music challenges our understanding of the animal mind and shows that there might be a more universal appreciation for melody and rhythm in the living world. This level of interspecies connection through music is mind-boggling. Could this have any implications for how we perceive animal intelligence or even conservation efforts? Potentially, yes. If further research supports these findings, it could impact how we approach animal enrichment in captivity, for instance. It could also offer a fresh perspective on the emotional and cognitive complexity of animals, influencing how we conserve their habitats. Absolutely fascinating, Ethan. Before we wrap up, any final thoughts or something else from the podcast you'd like to highlight? Just that if anyone wants to explore these stories further or other scientific inquiries, they should definitely check out NPR's website or popular podcast platforms. This episode on music science is just one example of the rich, diverse content shortwave and all things considered provide. Thanks so much for that deep dive, Ethan. It's incredible to see how much of an impact music has, beyond just being a source of entertainment. Now, are you more of a Beethoven or a Beatles kind of guy? Aw, Grace. I'm more of a fish fan, given my research for today. My pleasure, Grace. 
That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the Perplexity API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.